Seltzer Studios in Knoxville. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Here are your hosts, John Reed and Bob Baskerville. Back in the booth, back on the airwaves, coming at you live. White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Oh, it's Friday. Pound some White Claws and get your morning started with me, John Reed, Bob Baskerville, and Sam Beard. Happy rainy Friday to you, February 23rd. Be careful out there. Stay tuned for our traffic updates. I know it was a little bit more of a slog for me getting here just because everyone loses their mind in the rain bob how are you have you lost your mind no but i'm struck by your energy man you are coming out guns blazing it almost sounded like a dj or something there for a second 1057 fm 1340 a.m this is the wkgn it's not bad um yeah you know i when i got up it wasn't raining so i was like okay man i saw on the news i had the tv on for a minute the rain's kind of over, supposedly. And then I came out, and it was like dumping. So, uh, but I do think it's it's temporary, and then it's supposed to be kind of dry the rest of the day. So let's get through it. Well, I appreciate you complimenting my energy. Yeah. Because it's not real. It's fake. <laughs> it's fugazi. I have found myself to be tired. I have found myself to be weak. It's killing any progress I've made in the gym. I've lost about 30 pounds in all my lifts. I'm sleep deprived. I've gone to bed early the last two nights. It got me a good six hours and 45 minutes, seven hours last night. But I don't know if it's the rain or or what, but I do still feel a little sleepy. I I might have to find something to quit raw dogging these mornings. I might have to give in to some type of supplement to get my day started. I, I don't know. Everyone says it's weird that I don't, and they might be right. I, I just run it. Well, you're also like 22. Yeah, so? You're full of energy. You're a young man. you you're, got your full life ahead of you. You're I, still a spring I, chicken. I don't have my full life ahead of me. I'm not saying I'm at the end. I'm not on death's door. But no one would look at me and say, ah, oh, that guy's got his full life ahead of him. No one would say that. You, I look at and I say you got your full life ahead of you. Me, not a full life. My meter is not full. It's like 66%. Do I <laughs> do I wake up like Cam Carr, just like ready to get off the bench and shoot, and you're kind of like Josiah James, like your knees are kind of okay. hurting sometimes? Yeah, yeah. I, I, didn't, I don't like the comparison of being <laughs> Josiah, but, you know, he does hey. drop 26 in Lexington in Rupp Arena. And I, you know, I can you're still, a glue guy. I can still dial it up if I need to. Yeah. Sure. But you wake up full of energy and ready to go. Bob's got his energy drink. He's ready to go. He's got his cheese. Cheese Bob what the streets are calling him but me you know i come in here and now we've added a new wrinkle we have added a new wrinkle i don't know why it started but allergies yesterday kicked my ass i don't don't know if anybody else felt that same way but my eyes are on fire they're itchy i'm struggling too and i sneezed about 35 times yesterday and i was barely outside 
like I don't know if it's just my dog brought it in from the five minutes we walked outside. He is low to the ground, so I guess he is getting it off the grass, and then he plops up and sits next to me and brings it right to me. So maybe that's it. I don't know, but it's the bad thing when my eyes water; it, it, it just loosens up all the pollen that is caked around me. So then it just gets in my eyes. So we've added that into the tired wrinkle, sir. Sir, can you please quiet your cell phone? <laughs> Sam, how are you this morning? Uh, I'm doing pretty solid this morning. Doing pretty solid. Woke up feeling a little bit better. Um, yeah, this rain kind of sucks though. That really uh, makes the makes waking up a lot a whole lot harder. You know, you just kind of you want to be able to sit in bed and enjoy the enjoy the rainy pitter patter off of the side of the window. Do but... you live in a tin roof? Do you live in a barn? <laughs> Not really, but hear the rain on the I've, I can hear like the uh, my gutter, I guess, just like it is nice. It's relaxing. It is nice. Just so soothing. It is. <laughs> At least it's not exactly cold to go along with the rain. Yeah, then you definitely wouldn't want to get out. Just sucks when the sun isn't. You know, like obviously the sun's not coming up with it too. So you just but just think, Sam. In a couple of weeks month or so you'll get your first like spring shower you can just lay out on the porch in the hammock as your two kids run around the yard and your wife Something brings like you some that, lemonade yeah. <laughs> and you can take a nap in your hammock as the as the roosters crow and you know the cows moo and the horses neigh and the sheep's bat building a great children's book here <laughs> yeah like, you'll be able to enjoy that yeah you'll, you'll take you a mid spring early summer nap out out on the farm it'll be fine these early mornings will pay off sounds perfect to me just in a couple of weeks i am getting excited for the summer early mornings though like the last couple days you've had i've been able to wear shorts yeah 50 right when the show starts it's not 25 yeah i got shorts on today too i think it's gonna feel real nice in the summertime we're twins you've got shorts on i got shorts on nice (laughs) we cost the short twins (laughs) We announced the Atlanta Braves yesterday. Yeah. To almost almost unanimous. You could never get anybody to love everything. You got a couple people that hate the Braves. A couple people freaking out. Is it going to take the drive off the air? No, no, no. We're not going to air the, the afternoon games. It'll just be the evening games and the weekend games. But pretty positive feedback from it. Yeah, I don't know if you saw how many people checked out the post on X. It's over 50,000 now. It's so good. It's a big number. And, you're, yeah, you're right. I saw it. maybe I could count on one hand the negatives. It's been incredibly positive. Yeah, a couple people told me I sucked whenever we had teased <laughs> a programming announcement. I was hoping the morning show was gone. Haters. Did they really? It kind of hurt my feelings. That might be Sam's fault. Could be Sam's fault. Could be your fault. Yeah. I, as 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 team leader, I just shouldered it myself. That's what a leader does, right? Yeah. I just I just strapped that on my back and said they hate me, Bob. It's not you. Well. It's not you, Sam. I'll be the meat shield. Were they hating on your Dion Dion gift? No, no. <laughs> just just you. Just me. <laughs> just me. Well, we wish you luck. Yeah. It's what's fine. the what's the famous quote? You know, if if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> Did have some people send me nice messages. I don't know if that, I don't know if they saw people bash the two people that were like 
John sucks or the morning show sucks. I don't know if they're exactly related, but I did get a couple of nice messages over the last like week or so from people. I'm just like, hey, just want you to know that you're doing a good job. I'm like, thanks, man. It's nice to spread some positivity on the internet because it's sometimes a dark, dark place. But Knoxville is now Braves country, and we will be carrying all the Atlanta Braves games. Again, the, the evening games. It will impact overtime, but I know William is fired up to to still do his six to seven hour on air and then take the seven to eight hour digital only. So he's still going to give you his two hours. He does a good job with that show and is going to give you some evening stuff. It'll be app only and then podcast form for the second hour, but he'll still have his content. And then we will also have the Braves riding around. We won't be able to stream it. So if you're if you're planning on listening to the app, we won't be able to do that. The MLB rights are pretty locked up when it comes to that. But on air, when you're driving around, you can hear Ronald Acuna defend his MVP and Austin Riley and Freddie Freeman. No, no, no. Wait, Freddie Freeman's not there anymore. Local boy Spencer Strider. Local boy Spencer uh, yeah. Strider, who I believe, when I checked, is actually the favorite to win the Cy Young this year. Wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the Braves are obviously in a, a golden era right now where they're really, really, really good. You know what I was saying to uh, Sam yesterday, because I agree with you. I think William does a great job. And the 6 o'clock show is maybe he should use this as an opportunity, like, I don't know, maybe the last five minutes, the last segment of the 6 o'clock hour going into 7, it's like Braves preview type stuff. He could talk a little Major League Baseball. I'm sure he will do that. You know, I don't, I don't want to get in the business of telling him how to do his show. I'll do that. Yeah, you, you could do it. You may look, I'm a professional. I don't know if you know. I used to work with Howard Stern, Red Carpet, all these things. You know, check my resume. I'll come sit in with him. That'll go over well. You just come in. But I just want to help you out here and <laughs> hit a little tomahawk chop and, and break down the day's matchups. Which, again, I haven't gotten in baseball mode yet when it comes to Major League Baseball. Tennessee baseball's got me a little bit going, but, I mean, they haven't gotten into really any important games yet. They should have another beatdown series. I was reading a little bit about Albany, and, and people were saying, you know, don't expect it to be much different than that Iona series a couple years ago where you just absolutely dominated them. They looked completely overmatched, like, they're saying that's kind of what Albany is going to look like. So, like, I'm not exactly fired up for this weekend series. You throw in some rain on top of it, and, you know, it's not great. But I will say that I cannot get enough of the MLB jerseys. Every picture I see somehow is worse than the, the one before. The yeah. pants look like diapers. The, the <laughs> pants look like they have diapers on underneath them because of the, I don't know. The pockets are just so big and so white. And they're see-through is and what they're saying. That's now. just the end of the jersey. Oh, that's the end of the jersey? That's just the end of the jersey showing through the pants. Okay, well, because I assumed, I guess the jerseys I all saw were white. Yeah. Okay, so I guess that makes sense. I was assuming it was like the big pockets because, you know, they, they got the <laughs> – I mean, that'd be huge like pockets. Like the, the flaps and stuff that come down yeah. to your thighs. You yeah, know, some yeah, of those yeah. pants have that. I, I thought that was just really big, loose things there is what I, I think thought. it's just how how big the jersey is being tucked in there, and it's just see-through pants. Like, I think that's how a baseball jersey normally looks under, okay. the, under the pants. It's just not normally see-through. Okay. I'd like for you to check that just because in my head it was the the flaps. Like the Otani picture, it wasn't a white jersey, but I think it was like light gray. The picture that I'm looking at here, 
like kind of on the thigh. I feel like I can see the little logo at the bottom of the jersey okay. where it shows like well, yeah, the, the stitching and the size and the all thigh, that. You know, obviously is where I saw, but I was thinking that's where the pockets would be. So either way, the top doesn't look good either. The, the actual jersey doesn't look good. The the uniform in general is is something out of a bad skit, or it's like from a WB TV show that didn't get the rights to real jerseys, so they're just like kind of piecing this together. They have like a, a cell phone pocket on the side of the pants now, or something. It didn't look like a cell phone pocket. It looked like a place to put a watermelon or something. Like with how big it was, like you could fit, you could fit a couple of big just melons in there. At least a cantaloupe. That's well, mostly it'll keep them cooler. That was the whole. That's the whole rationale now that we're here, and we should definitely talk about that. I, hey, b- before we break too, because I want to keep you, want to keep you positive, John. I know you were talking a minute ago about some comments when we talked about the Braves announcement. And just remember what a wise man said just in the last day or so. No weapons formed against me shall prosper. Just remember that. I thought you were going to say praise and blame. It's all the same. And we ain't listening to none of that. No, just remember what Stack said the other day. He knows. Well, it doesn't actually bother me. I mean, I do read it. I I do actually read it, and then I obsess over it for like an hour. I don't even think, no, it's not even worth an hour. Well, I know, but it used to be, like, multiple hours. Now it's just, like, an hour. Now it's just, like, an hour. You talked to Frank about it. Well, actually, I think yesterday I was in the gym, but it wasn't helping because, again, <laughs> I've lost 30 pounds of my lifts because I can't sleep anymore because I agreed to do this damn morning show. I could sleep in until 10, 30, 11 o'clock on Sunday, Sam. It would be nice to stay up till 3 or 4. Not anymore. I do miss staying up. Yeah. I, I saw last night when that uh, Washington State Arizona game. I looked on the program guide and it was like, "Oh my God, it's not starting till 11." And it's like yeah. I used to be able to say, "I'm gonna watch first half of that at least." Yeah. yeah. Nope. Not so much. This is the life we chose, or rather, the life that chose us. Bob talked about it. Arizona, Washington State. That's a game that impacts Tennessee. We'll catch you up on some things you might have missed from last night because I think that's a big game. And we'll see how it impacts Tennessee. Stick with us. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to... Tennessee got a little help in their quest for a one seed last night. As Arizona falls at home to Washington State. Washington State did come into the game ranked. So this isn't like a a terrible loss. But it's one that we weren't sure if Arizona was going to get when we looked at their schedule. Like That's a game they should have won. They were favored by quite a few points in that game. It, it was one they should have won. But instead, they don't. They take an L. With the win, though, Washington State moves up to a quad one game, so it's not like it's a bad loss for Arizona from that metric. But, yeah, Arizona went to that game as 12.5-point favorite. So, like, when you look at it, that that should be should be viewed as, as pretty equal to the South Carolina loss, although I don't know if it will be in the grand scheme of things just because they might put too much stock into the old metrics and, and rankings because South Carolina is down at number 58 compared to, like I said, Washington State, a top 30 team. 
But when you look at just the point spreads, I don't understand what the difference is. Because South Carolina was right on the cusp of being ranked, right? They came into the game on the cusp of being ranked against Tennessee, they, right? They were like, yeah, 26 or 27. Right. Didn't actually have the number next to them, <clears> but had beaten Kentucky, hadn't lost very many games at that point, beat Tennessee, and of course then shot to like number 15th in the country, I believe. But I look at Washington State, and South Carolina is pretty similar. It'd be pretty uh, ironic, I think, that right now – Washington State in the last season of the Pac-12 is in sole possession of first place in the conference. That'd be kind of cool if, because Oregon State's not going to win it, but it'd be kind of cool for Washington State to win it and say, y'all move along. We're going to enjoy the Mountain West. We're the Pac-2, damn it. And we're the the defending champions. But they're apparently a good team. That's uh, eight or nine wins in a row for them. And, um, I just saw the highlights because, again, it was such a late start game and we have no lives now, so couldn't watch it. But I saw the way they they went ahead on a four-point play with 30 seconds to go. It's all frenetic out there. They put up a three, miss it, long rebound, kick it out to a guy in the corner. He puts up a three, gets fouled, hits the three. They go up one, and then they held on to win. It's going to be a really cool feeling. It's got to be great. In Tucson, too, on the road. Um, I think I'd really hit a four-point play at, at home. Well, sure. A game when on the road is cool. Satisfying to do it, you know, yeah. kind of piss people off, the home fans. A, a game winner on the road is cool. You could do the whole shh, yeah. quiet thing. But a four-point play, like imagine how much that arena would have erupted, how oh, loud yeah. it would have been after, after hitting that at home. I think that's one I would have rather done in front of all my fans. But again, I do acknowledge that's one of the coolest things you could do in sports. Quiet. Marshall Henderson against Auburn. That'll always be ingrained in my memory. Yeah, yeah, the Marshall Henderson, what year was that? Was it like 2012 or so? Yeah, like that sounds right. Like it, it, it was a weird moment in time where he did take over the SEC. Kind of like Dalton Connect. Where he had that run, and you know, I don't know if he had the same. Well, I mean, I know he didn't have the same amount of points in that stretch, just because you know Dalton Connect was setting records. But Marshall Henderson was on top of the world and did dominate the league for a little bit. And then, yeah, the Auburn game. You know, he, he lit up Tennessee in Knoxville too. But then that Auburn game, it, it, it's made better, just because of all this mad, angry Auburn fans like yelling at him. Yeah, <laughs> flicking him off, and he's just pumping his jersey in front of him. You're a flick off guy, huh? I am. You said that flicking off is that what you said? They were the Auburn yeah yeah. Fans. No, I'm saying to say flicking off. I, oh, I don't know if I've ever encountered people in person. I say flipping, flipping them off. Bob, flipping are you a flick off. or a flip? I'm a flip. I thought flick meant that. <laughs> no, no, I've heard. Uh, Sam's right in the sense that giving someone the finger, people do call it flicking off. It's just weird for you to say it. I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, I think I've definitely said flip too. But just I guess flick surprise. just comes comes more naturally. I don't know. I've never caught it flicking off, and I can I'm, count the times on one hand that I've heard somebody say it and, <laughs> and people I know. I've never heard it until today. I've never known other way, any other way than flipping off. That's surprising to me because if you would have asked me, I would have said that flipping off was like southern and flicking off was more northern. And, of course, you're, you're from Indiana and, and, and have more experience living in different parts of the – the country in New York City. I would have thought maybe they said flicking off up in New York City, so it surprises me, that Bob, that you've never heard that. No. 
Interesting. Nope. Okay, I was just wanted to get to the bottom of, did, did your parents teach you that? Did you pick it up in pop culture? I don't know. Okay. I've never thought about it until this second. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not making you feel self-conscious. No, about I'm not. Uh, yeah, You're I'm... flicking off. Anyways, Marshall Henderson did get flicked off a lot. Yeah. I don't like <laughs> it. Flipped. Flipped off. I don't like the Marshall Henderson correlation to Dalton Connect. Only from the only from the persona standpoint. Not the I, I get what you're saying about the impact. Marshall Henderson was pretty electric, man. Yeah, he was. Dalton Connect's got a little bit of that to him. I mean he he does the The quiet the, cockiness. He does yeah. the ops, the killing your ops under your nose, swiping your fingers under your nose. That's what that means. You're taking care of your ops. Looking at his left hand after he makes a shot, you know, like holding it out like a little shack. And he yells, I mean he was yelling I think it was Vanderbilt maybe or Georgia. Georgia, I know he was telling Georgia it was his house. I don't think he talks until somebody else talks to him. Well, that might be true. And, I mean, I'm sure every time you go on the road, the fans are saying something to you. And, and yeah. Georgia, if I remember correctly, the they had an assistant coach that was trash-talking Dalton Connect right before he went off. So, like, yeah, I don't know if he's starting the fight. Maybe that's the difference is Marshall Henderson was starting the fights. There's just kind of a trash element to Marshall, I thought. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, A kind to of a, me. Kind the of an eight-mile feel or something. Well, I was going to say, A to me, the name Marshall and a white guy is always going to make me think of Eminem, which is going to put somebody on the defensive from the jump when it comes to to me thinking whether or not they're trashy. Now, maybe Marshall Manning will change that. But, yeah, like, he definitely had the, the Eminem feel. And he is a lot trashier than I think of Dalton Connect, sure. But I was just saying yeah, I guess Marshall Henderson was electric, and, and and he brought – he brought – I mean, he carried Ole Miss. They, they won that SEC tournament, right? They, they won at least a game in the NCAA tournament, too, that year. I couldn't remember if they won or lost in the tournament. Couldn't remember if they were point for or against the idea of like getting hot and winning the conference tournament, and if that you know translated to tournament success. I couldn't remember what they did that year. As I recall, and I don't specifically remember who they played. I thought they won their first, and then they were in their second and had a chance to win, but then got knocked out. Something like that. For some reason, I was it Arizona they were playing. Might have been. I don't know. That was 2013, yeah. So it made it worse whenever he did that in Knoxville and you had Conzo just sitting on the sideline looking stupid. I think we might even talk about that. I, you know, I think, yeah, I was sitting close enough to hear him say a lot of things to the Tennessee bench. Oh, no. No, I didn't hear it. You haven't? Didn't I? Okay. I don't he, think so. Yeah, he, he, he hit his first or second bucket and he was running towards the bench saying, I got y'all for 35 tonight. He was just looking right at him. Conzo's there. Conzo just responds like, you know, hands or whatever. He used to yell. Um, he did yell hands a lot. 28 points. The whole team only scored 62, and he had 28. So he didn't get to 35, but he did get the win. They beat Wisconsin in the first round and lost to LaSalle. Kind of it a letdown to lose to LaSalle. You had a chance to get to the – Sweet 16 and, and lost to LaSalle. Yeah, they beat Wisconsin 57 to 46 that year. That's probably one. Of, that's probably what I remember was that because it was Wisconsin, you know, pretty big brand name. Yeah, it wasn't Minnesota. I was wrong. Rats. Yeah. Joe Lenardi did update and say that a loss last night, or at least he had that going into the game. He hasn't updated since. I guess he 
is also on a morning schedule and went to sleep before watching the game. Maybe he's watching on DVR right now. But he had put in his notes that Arizona losing to Washington State would not drop them off the top line. But he had also gone into the week saying that he thought there was a pretty big gap between Arizona and Tennessee. And I imagine at the very least that gap is now gone. Maybe he still has them ahead. And you also can't convince me that the idea of like wanting to give a West Coast team the one seed in the West plays a factor in it. You can't tell me that's not a part of it. I'd agree. Um, Washington State's getting a lot of love too. I mean, they're what you mentioned that they're ranked. I think they're ranked like 16th or something. They're they're ranked high. 21st, I believe. 21st. Is what they oh, I'm the thinking Gary Parish's thing, which I should never pay attention to because yeah. it's pretty. Well, the AP brought him in at, at 21, I believe, and like I said, after the win, they're now up in the top 30 in the net ranking. So yeah, they're a solid team. Yeah, and their coach is another one of these that's becoming a hot commodity for coaching searches and whatnot. Troy Smith, he's doing a good job. Well, he's also going to have to jump ship, right, because they're about to not be a Power 5 team. Right. Back two, baby. Elsewhere in the top 25, Purdue absolutely wallops Rutgers. Big giant circus for Zach Eady. Scores 25 points on eight shots. Kind of set some history there in terms of Averaging over three points a shot. There was some stat, crazy stat about it. I don't remember what it was, but basically it was a historic performance. So good for him. Good job beating Rutgers. Wow, National Player of the Year. I'm so I'm so proud of you, Zach. Wow. <laughs> Doing the tournament. But that's it. That's all that happened last night in college basketball. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. A brand built in Tennessee. Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're giving us something from two days ago. All right, we're back. Penn State did not beat Illinois last night. That was a couple nights ago. Bob's got his cheese. I got snot coming out of my nose from allergies. My eyes are burning. My throat hurts. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Although I will say that that this life change over the last month or so has made me appreciate the weekends more. Back in the day, the weekends, I was like, ah, oh, the weekends are just another day for me. It's not like I have to worry about sleep, sleeping in or anything. But now the weekends, they hit different. It's true. Weekend feels good, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. This reminds me of way back when, when I was living on the West Coast and I had to commute to work. And, um, you know, it was like, it was an hour drive each way. And that's if the traffic was good. Um and so what it, I remember telling people, you know, it'd be like, man, it just makes you value your weekends more because the week can be kind of sucky. So there's a, I'm kind of pulling that page out of the playbook again. I feel that way again. The, the weekends, they're important more than they were. Just not another day now. It's like it's the day or days. Hopefully things start going our way. Hopefully the, that podcast computer starts working, Sam. I got my first complaint about you. I got my first complaint about you this week. Let's go. A listener wrote in. It used to happen, you know, about once every two days in my past life, my past regime. I finally got a, a DM that was like, who does your podcast? And I was like, well, it depends. Like, I, I cut up the best of. Sam posts the podcast. Then there was like a long, like, hour break. And he's like, well, he's really slow at it. And I was like, well, I was like, what I will say I was like, unlike the past show, because, I mean, there were legit gripes when Marcus was doing it or Cody was doing it. 
I was like, I will be fair to say, I was like, he's got a lot going on over there. I was like, he's got to do the updates. He's got to do the traffic. I was like, he's doing a good job with the podcast. I was like, he, he, he's, I don't know, you know, how fast or I think I know are. what this guy's talking about, and I'll take this one on the on the chin because I forgot, I completely forgot to post the hour two podcast a couple days ago until we were leaving the studio when I was posting hour three. Okay. So yeah, definitely on me if if that's the episode he's talking about. But I think I've been pretty timely. Other than that, I thought that was yesterday that happened. Maybe yesterday and or two days ago. Well, he had already complained before okay. yesterday. <laughs> okay. So I don't know if it was that or not. But I, I defended you. Thank and you. I was Thank just you. like, you know, some people, some some complaints are justified. Again, the past regime, Marcus Cody. Sometimes those podcasts wouldn't even get posted. But I was like, no. A, my boy Sam's getting it done. And I was like, B, he is actually busy over there. Any other time when I've had producers, I'm like, you know, I don't want to say like a monkey could do it, <laughs> but you still there, you click a couple buttons, you pick a couple songs, it's not that hard. But you, we actually got you doing stuff, all from the same computer too, so it's just, you, you, you're overwhelmed. Or not overwhelmed, because you're handling it. You're whelmed, but you're actually busy. Sometimes I'm not timely. Got a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. A lot of balls. <laughs> a lot of balls in the air. So, yeah, like, I, I defended you. But and I, you did a good job, though, because it took six weeks before you got your first complaint. Okay. Everything has been really positive All about right. Sam. And That's good. Finally, somebody's like, hey, there's a little slow on the podcast. I'm like, it was, like, really, like, soon after the show, too. I was like, we well, could just listen live. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you need the hour three that bad, just, you know, pop it on and listen. But e- either way. Sam, I get nothing but positive feedback on you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's true. Sam's universally loved in the morning show. Well, I guess you can't say universally, but I haven't seen any negative criticism. If you have any, to keep it to yourself. But, yeah, I got my first one. So hopefully the, the computer doesn't crash and get you your second write-up. Because I did have to give you a strike. Like your your teacher asked for, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you know uh, an evaluation when it comes to you graduating. I was like, well, you know, the audience says he's a little slow on podcasts. <laughs> Listeners are pissed. <laughs> Listeners say he's not very good at doing podcasts. And, you know – kind of think a monkey could even do that maybe it's my teacher that's coming in there <laughs> and this guy's slow he can't do anything right at his that job would be a pretty Let's, good pretty we'll do, good job we'll by do, a professor we'll do a survey on x to see how sam's yeah. doing in his job see how that post goes. my post my mid-semester evaluation yeah. for the rest of the fans to do yeah. <laughs> something tells me that would be that'd be bad yeah that that might negatively affect my grade yeah. i don't know hopefully positive You all right? You stressed over there? Who, me? Yeah. I was exasperated. Oh, God. Oh, no. Just uh, just thinking about people on the internet being mean to Sam if we if we throw some chum out in the water. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Sam's a man of the people. Sam's good. Whole life ahead of him. I'm envious. Tall and young. My wife says it. She goes, I like to, I like to hear more Sam. <laughs> She actually was looking forward to meeting Sam at that basketball game that they dusted us on. Before Sam's mom, about that. <laughs> before Sam's mom and Sam ghosted you, your wife was very excited to beat him. Yeah. You going to the game Saturday, Bob? We are. I'll be there. Okay. No, Mama. Mama's no, my mom there, won't be there. Yeah, she's not making this drive. Yeah. Just be me solo. What's the energy for the A&M game on campus? Is that something people are excited for? Because it is an historic game in the sense we talked about it. Rick Barnes can become, what, just the 14th coach to, to win 800 games. That's big for his Hall of Fame credentials. 
it's rarefied air. And, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, longevity playing into a part of that. And, but, but I mean, that's, that's even more a testament to his career that he's still going strong. At this point in his career, it's not like he's gone down a level. Like if he was an older coach like he is and doing this at some small school, kind of like how Mac Brown came back and was like at North Carolina and not really in the picture in terms of national championship stuff, but just winning seven or eight games. And then like, hey, it's cute. It's a cute story. And maybe they're ranked sometimes in the top 25, but they're not a threat. It'd be a different story if he went down to even like a, a mid-major and was doing this. Cliff Ellis, who we were talking about the other day, who kind of snuck up into that 800 win group, he got towards the end of it. He was at Coastal Carolina, so yeah. to your point. Yeah, like Rick Bird just doing it at Belmont forever. But, like, no, Barnes at his age, and if you talk about longevity and, and just compiling these stats, it's not like he's melded in. It's not like he's not at the top of his game. Like, Rick Barnes is just as good now probably as he's ever been in terms of building a program and running a program. I'm not saying this is the best team he's ever had, although there's a chance it might end up being. You know, this team could make his second ever Final Four. This team could win a national championship. I noticed yesterday, I don't know if you caught it, when I posed the question to uh, G-Reg, which is now what I'm calling him since you started that. <laughs> G-Reg Polinski. Polinski. When I mentioned that, you know, big game Saturday, chance for Coach to get his 800th win, he never made a mention of that, and I think that's how they're probably programmed over there because Barnes is that way. It's not about him. When they announce starting lineups in the game, they never announce him as the coach, and you know that's his thing. He's saying, just don't do it. Um, I think he's just all about the ball. and I'm, You know it's in the back of his mind, but he doesn't make it about him. Well, I would say if I was Rick Barnes, and, and I'm, I have my same personality as Rick Barnes has shown, He's probably over there thinking, like, it's something that's on his mind. And it, when it happens, and it will happen right before the end of the year, I, I think it's going to happen, of course, on Saturday. I think Tennessee is going to, to beat Texas A&M. I'd imagine that once it's over, he will talk about how cool it is because he's also kind of a student of the game and appreciates the history of college basketball and, and milestones. So I would say that it will soak in at that point. But it's not something you talk about leading up to it. But once it happens, you're like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. But we still got work to do. It's not about my 800 wins. It's about this team trying to get to the finish line. You can say something like that. But right. when he does some self-reflection, when he sits down and enjoys a glass of milk or some coffee the next morning, he'd be like, hey, that's pretty cool, huh? You think they'll do something for him after the game? I would say Barring they at least like put a graphic up. I don't know if they'll drop confetti or something from the rafters and say 800 wins. but Maybe I'd like imagine. a ball at midcourt, get the team out there or something. Mm. Clap it up, a little standing O. It's a good question. Bob, you think they do something like that? I, I think they'll have a graphic rate of run. They will definitely do something, but I don't know if it'll be that much pomp and circumstance. The other thing is they may do something when, you know, he does that post game on court afterwards. Yeah. I could see maybe even then they, yeah. you know, do something too. I somebody, don't know. somebody needs to pie him. <laughs> Maybe G-Rag. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> what I will say about my boy G-Rag is that he is a he is loyal to his capo. Oh, yeah. He he would not he would not pie Rick Barnes. And quite frankly, they need to be careful trying to get to him to pie him in front of G-Rag because he might take somebody down. He is loyal to his capo. You will not get close enough to touch him unless, like, the team. Maybe dump some water on him or, you know, pour something on him, pour a water bottle on him or something. I, I could see that happening. 
because yeah, like Bob said, he will be hanging around for the post game show, so maybe there's a chance there to do something. Maybe just get him dancing in the locker room after post it on Instagram. What percentage chance do you give Rick Barnes of getting to win 900? Oh. Six seasons is about what it would take. He's 69 years old. You don't think he's somebody that would coach till 75? I think it all depends on – I just think it all depends on how deep they make a run into the tournament. I'm telling you, the next time – well, it would be the first time, but if they get to a Final Four or win it all, I would not be surprised if he steps away. Okay. So you think he is somebody that's chasing one final big accomplishment? Yes. And then you can be like, okay, now I can rest. Okay. I mean, he's very driven. You know, that it's one of those that I think he's got gas in the tank to stick around for another five years. I just don't. I just don't know if he will. Just conversations we've had where he's talked about. You know, he's he's no different than these other coaches that have retired recently. The the state of the game, it's very different, and uh, I think that's that's tough. He's he's. I think he's adjusted pretty well, but I I still think it's. I think it's hard and. It's not the not the game he signed up to coach. I mean, I, I think I, I'm super impressed and surprised at how well he's adjusted. Yeah. Like you know, there would have been a very easy scenario, a very easy outcome that you could have seen where he stepped away two years ago. You know, when Jay Wright and and Coach Kerr they were leaving, that Rick Barnes wouldn't have been far behind him. But instead, like I do truly feel like he's as good now as he's ever been. And Tennessee maybe isn't putting a lot of pressure on him in terms of of having to handle NIL stuff. Maybe that's a part of, you know, the Tennessee's collective, the ball club, Inspire. Maybe they got a good grip on that and, like, he's not having to make too hard of decisions and, and or have to beg for resources. Like, maybe they have a good setup there where Tennessee's able to keep their guys or attract – free agents slash transfers and and he can maybe coach ball a little bit more than everyone else across the country you know i do think tennessee we give them credit for having a top five collective i think that helps but also like the transfer portal era in general uh, you know i think going out and getting dalton connect maybe opens rick barnes's eyes up a little bit in terms of hey Maybe I don't have to worry and spend as much time developing these freshmen. Maybe we just go and we grab a couple guys and we can kind of keep this thing rolling and it's not a as strenuous of a job as when it comes to actually developing players. Now, I know there's pressure. I know there's stress with the other aspects of things we've talked about and keeping people happy. And not everybody's going to be a Dalton Connect. But Dalton Connect coming here and becoming a lottery pick and, and being an All-American – it should pay dividends, right? I mean, that, that should pay massive dividends for Rick Barnes the next couple of years when it comes to being attractive in the transfer portal. I think that, you know, you mentioned Coach K and Jay Wright and Roy Williams is another one. I, I do think that one thing we can count on is I don't see Barnes being a guy that takes like the Jim Beheim route where they basically had to push him out. Like, sure. you know, please go. Um, I just don't think he's built that way. Um, but I agree. I, 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 who do, who does Tennessee have coming in recruit wise next year? They have Bishop Boswell, right? They got that kid coming. 
Is that, I'm trying to think of any other ones. Um, is the Alabama kid in this upcoming class? I think he is. Yeah, the kid that came and visited this weekend. Oh, the big, the big boy. Yeah, he, he's in this upcoming class. Now he's not committed, right? But yeah. I, I think that Dwayne Brown. I believe he is going to be in this upcoming class. He was here this past weekend visiting. The reports from it are like, hey, Tennessee's in a good spot. The mom and Rick Barnes really hit it off, which doesn't surprise you that Rick Barnes could yeah. could woo a mother and and do the whole I'm going to take care of your boy thing and you know treat him like a man and we're going to help him grow up and turn him into a good fine young man and do that whole thing. But like, that's a name. That's a name, and I believe that the class of 2025 would be this next year, right? Um, basketball is a little bit more confusing. I know football is kind of classes. I know how that works, but I basketball. Think f- no, I think four would just be – that would be the class that would be graduating this spring, right. correct, and then just coming to – Okay, so it'd be it would, so it would be junior. this year's class, yeah. No, no he's, he's class of 25. The uh, kid from, from – Yeah, Dwayne Alabama. Brown. Yeah, he's, he's class of 2025. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So does that make him a senior in that high school or a junior, junior in high school? That makes him a junior. He's okay. a junior. Yeah, my okay. daughter's 2026. 20, she's a sophomore, so yeah. Okay. I was just curious how it worked when it came to recruiting cycles. Like I said, football, I got an idea, but it's easier to do because, like I say, signing day is this day, so it's easier. Basketball, a little more. That's Bob, that's something that I also have kind of wondered about because, you know, it does kind of seem like Barnes is obviously in the back end of his coaching career, and it feels like he's kind of waiting for that one team to get him kind of over the hump and, and kind of make that big stretch run. And now, you know, you look at this recruiting class, like, in 24, I feel like you would have a lot more. I feel like you'd have a lot more guys in this class, kind of with with what you've got leaving the program potentially, and just kind of given the fact that Tennessee isn't the most aggressive transfer portal program now, besides the last like year or two. Well, I think it's going to change though. Yeah, like I think whenever you have the success, and Ganey, I mean, I, I want to give him his sure. proper credit. Like 100%. he's been, he's been a, a nice pickup. You know, he's been without Ganey, you'd have to have more Cam Car minutes. And I don't know if Cam Carr, my boy, is ready for that just yet. At this point, Ganey is, has been better than him. He's been a you know a key sixth man, seventh man, whatever. And then yeah, Connect's been the face of your program. So I do think Tennessee will be a little bit more aggressive in the transfer portal. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I was thinking about this the other day, and that is so obviously we lose Connect, we're gonna lose Josiah, we're gonna lose Santee. Is there anyone else? I mean, that's meaningful minutes-wise? I don't think so. That's it, right? I think you're going to be in a situation where you're going to lose one of Adu or Awaka, if I was guessing. I kind of – yeah, I kind of have a feeling – think Adu may go early? No, no. I don't I don't necessarily think he goes to the pros early. I, I, I think he could maybe be a player if he develops his jump shot, but I do think he's a year away, and I, I think he'd be – I think it would behoove him to, you know, stay and keep working on his jumper. But, no, I just – I think both those guys are SEC starters. I think Owaka is one of the best big men in the country, and I think Jonas Adu is one of the best big men in the country. I don't think that you necessarily want them both starting. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a numbers crunch, if it's a, hey, this school is offering me a million dollars to come play yeah. basketball there. That's kind of the reality of it. It's, And, and I would be surprised if – I would be surprised if you didn't lose. You're going to lose at least one of, of course, like Freddie, DeLeon, yeah. Jonas, and Awaka. I'm, I'm trying. 
I don't want to go as far as saying I'd be surprised if you didn't lose one of Awaka or Adu, but I would probably have that as a coin flip. See, I, I, I'm of the mind that someone like Freddie is more of a sure bet to go than sure. those guys. Sure. Um, so like you're going to have a couple other people, but like if you lose Freddie, it's not a huge thing from an actual on-court production thing. Although I, I do think I'd rather have him on next year's team than not have him. I just wonder. I'm, I was trying to cobble together a starting lineup, you know, for next year. And you, you know, you, obviously you've got Mayshack coming back. You got Ganey coming back. You've got, um, well, in theory, Adu and Awaka coming back. I think Cam Carr is is they're they're going to want to lean on him. It'll be interesting to see how that happens or if it happens next year. Um, another one who might be for sure out the door, I would think, would be. DJ Jefferson. Or, oh no, yeah. that that that's that's that goes without saying. DJ yeah. Jefferson will be gone. He's barely on the team this year. I mean, you haven't seen him. He he'll end up somewhere as the first as the moment the portal opens. I'd imagine he hits it. Yeah. But, but it, it is interesting. It's like if you had if you had an Awaka and Adu, it'd be tough. It's tough. We saw that against Missouri. That's what probably got me thinking. Is like, okay, do is it kind of back to the future is it going to be that kind of lineup next year and i don't know how that works honestly what i would guess right now is that tennessee is going to be in the market for a three slash four in the transfer portal like kind of the way you brought in dalton connect to come and play the three i'd imagine you're going to be in the market to go and sign a big free agent and that's just what it is right it's just signing a free agent at this point and to go out and get one of the best, maybe maybe it's somebody that could play the four, a stretch guy that could take over Josiah's spot. Maybe it's more of a score to take over Connect spot. I don't know, but like a three slash four, I'd imagine Tennessee's hitting the portal hard for that because you don't have anybody on the roster ready to step into that spot just yet. Uh, assuming that they don't want to go double bigs with Adu and Awaka, which I don't think they will. And again, I just think it's going to be hard to keep both those guys here next year. I think, and and if you're someone like Barnes who likes to develop players, it, I'm imagining they want to invest in Estrella, you know, and sure. so so that's another. It, it's a really good point. It's another reason why maybe one of those two don't stick around. Yeah, and I mean, like it is a salary cap game almost. I mean, I know there is no salary cap, but you only have a X amount of dollars you can divvy out, and like, I think the priority is going to be like the the face of your program next year is going to probably be a mix of Zakai and Jonas. Like, I think you'd have Jonas really get pushed to being the focal point of the team, having a big man like him. And I think you'd have him, you know, kind of slide in and take some of those dollars. Of course, Zakai's already kind of been the face of your, uh, of your team on the court and, you know, doing some local deals and being the lovable player. But the, the commercials you see Dalton Connect doing now, I think would go to Jonas as they try to build a campaign around him and, and in terms of the name, image, and likeness stuff. So I don't want to say it's like a last dance vibe, but, like, I think in college basketball especially, you can't bank on next year. It truly does feel like everything is year to year. The roster could turn over. Like, I'm sure if you ask Barnes at this point last year, if he thought he would have lost Olivier Kumwa, probably would have said no. Instead, Olivia Kumwa gets a bag dropped on him to go to Michigan. He goes there. And, you know, I think it's worked out for Tennessee better, of course. But I'm sure Barnes had that in his plans that Kumwa would still be here. 
and he was gone, of course. When you talk about the changing rosters, yeah, Bob, I think asking Barnes to do this till he's 75 is a pretty tall task. What about uh, can, can he get to 880? Can he get to 880 wins? Tennessee's averaging about 20 wins a year this, you know, at this point or, or more. You can get 23, 24. Maybe he could get 80 wins in four more seasons. Pass Dean Smith. Win the rivalry, maybe. Say, hey, I didn't win as many championships as you, Dean, but damn it, I got one more win than you. No, still no. No. Okay. I'm thinking like 850 might be the ceiling. Okay. Yeah, that would move him into top 10 all time. But I think that would end up knocking him down because Bill Self is going to win more games than Rick Barnes and has a head start on him. So, like, getting to 850 would put Barnes probably at 11th by the time he retires. If he can get over 863, he could pass Bob Huggins. I don't think Bob Huggins has any more wins than him unless he drops down a level. He'd be like the guy that drops down a level and just tries to run a mid-major program to get to 1,000 wins or something. That's the name I heard come up is, uh, like, that's who DePaul should go after. It's an interesting one because they're not going to get many takers, and he might – if he really wants to get back into coaching, that might be his only shot is something like that. But I agree. I, I'd say it's a long shot, though, too. Okay. Hour one in the books. We'll kick off hour two with about last night. It's the morning show live in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Again, drink a lot of White Claw this weekend. Toast to Rick Barnes and his 800th win. Sam, take us to break. <laughs> 